This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And hey, welcome to hour number two. Going to 6 o'clock tonight, counting down to LSU and Ole Miss, the 105th meeting in the Magnolia Bowl to Tigers and the Rebels, 25th and 23rd rank this evening. Jumping the conversation at 260-1870. You can text us at 870-870. This is the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgate Show, and we are pleasured and pleased to be joined now by the Senior Vice President of Government Relations, Mr. Kim Carson and Gary Littlefield, both from Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. Gentlemen, had good to see you again. Thank you, Dick. Used Appreciate to seeing you. y'all in Lakeview, but good to see you in Baton Rouge. It's good to see you, Dick. Man, I've got yeah, y'all's best Jim Trussell man. going on today. We both got on the vest. <laughs> sweater vest, sir. We put a fold in y'all's hand, man. Y'all can call some plays. We're betting. Y'all can call some plays. That's right. But let's get down to business. Yes, uh, Gulf Coast Bank and Trust, huge part of the community. We, All the community. We are, Dick. Um, um, our, our footprint there in southeast Louisiana and then over here in Baton Rouge, too, and We've been so active and involved uh, following the flooding this summer uh, yeah. over here in Baton Rouge. So tragic. About 20 of our employees flooded, hundreds of our customers, and we've been over here trying to help stand folks up, help folks find home again, right? And um, we remember what that was like after Katrina. And so we've been lending our efforts and lending our support to help get folks stood back up. Gary, does it, does it give you maybe, I don't know, a, a different feel or perspective of helping people rebuild from the flood and you see it every day not not just people that come to you but also people that work with you and work for you i would imagine you, you kind of get a more of a, of a up close hey this is it's real but i mean our own employees are living this well nightmare. it's real and it's personal dick and i want you know i'm blessed to work for a great bank uh, who's been through these kind of tragedies before mm-hmm. uh, we stepped right in immediately after the flood and started helping our employees so they could get back to work we immediately started helping our our other customers and then we started helping prospects, people that we've been out in the community uh, talking to. So it's been a very, very holistic effort on everybody's part. And following the flooding and then the, the debacle of the Florida game, a lot of the conversation around it, what, what, what fascinated me was kind of the impact that an LSU home game has on the local economy, on local business. And I feel like y'all are more well suited maybe than anyone to speak on that what do you see well what do these lsu home games bring to the community i tell you t bob you're exactly right it's a welcome diversion you know from yep. working in the floodplain gary didn't say it but gary himself flooded he and oh, his wow. wife their home flooded so it's a welcome diversion but just to be out here with our friends with our family rooting and cheering on the tigers and then a huge economic impact right the yep. hotels are full the restaurants are full. Everybody's out here spending money, having a good time. They're going to do it all the way through the victory tonight yeah. and then afterwards, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to be Ab- a good one tonight. Absolutely. That's what I was going to say. So what, what, what are you guys thinking about tonight? Well, I think uh, LSU 24, Ole Miss 18. All right. Yeah. I'm going 31-21. 31-21. A little more high One's score. Covering, and when I pick the spread, was at six and a half. So yeah. Kim, Kim's got Ole Miss with the points, sounds like. Gary taking LSU to cover. I, I had LSU covering as well. Okay. So, so I think we're in good uh, – so, Gary and Kim, for those out there that are listening right now and they may have run into, you know, some issue or what have you, tell them why Gulf Coast Bank control. Well, I tell you, Gulf Coast Bank is locally owned. We're here. We live here. We're not waiting to follow the recovery. We have to lead the recovery because this is where we work. This is where we live. This is where we play, right? 
And uh, that was the case after Katrina. It's the case with this one. So, you know, we're here. We're stood up. Come see us. Uh, we've got several locations uh, here in Baton Rouge. You can always see us on the Internet, too, at www.gulfbank.com. Kim Carson and Gary Littlefield of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. Guys, always a pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Enjoy some of this beautiful weather. Thanks, Steve. We'll Go Thank Tigers. you all so much. Thank you all, all right. so much. Right. Right. Yeah. Take Tigers. care. Absolutely. Bob, thanks yes, so much. Thanks, 260-1870. You can text us at 870-870. LSU and Ole Miss tonight coming up a shade after 8 p.m. here on WWL. Uh, we're going to be checking fun. in with uh, sports editor and columnist for the Jackson Clarion Ledger, Hugh Kellenberger. He'll be joining us after our first break to give us a take on the Ole Miss Rebels who come into the night in the Magnolia Bowl between LSU and and, excuse me, LSU and Ole Miss. The Tigers next week, of course, have a week off. Then they will entertain Alabama before hitting the road to take on Arkansas on the 12th. Your take on today's game, vote online at our Pretty Jaguar Opinion Poll. Who's going to win the Magnolia Bowl, LSU or Ole Miss? It's online at WWL.com. And now we'll uh, take a look, t by Let's get caught up on a few of these afternoon yeah. scores. Everybody. College football scoreboard here, and we'll get this thing uh, rolling. Games uh, in progress that are taking place right now. We do have a few finals from the day in the SEC. It was South Carolina 34-28 over UMass. Uh, other top 25 scores, Louisville all over NC State today, 54-13. to Wisconsin, 10th uh, ranked Badgers, 17 to 9 over Iowa. Thursday night it was Boise State, 28 to 27. 14 ranked Broncos, a wild one last night in the Pac-12 in double overtime, 52-49. Cal over Oregon. Cal had a huge lead now, and then Oregon. Oregon what? Back. Five losses now. Five Two losses already. Five? Yes, they still got some tough teams to play. UNC right now, the 22nd-ranked North Carolina Tar Heels uh, leading Virginia 14-7. That's ACC action. Uh, Coach Gary Fleck, the Western Michigan Ball Club, 14, uh, trailing 14-17 to 17 to rival Eastern Michigan. Something uh, WMU can go undefeated and maybe do like Northern Illinois and crash one of those big bowls uh, down in the bowl season. Five seconds left in the first half. It's Alabama 13-7 to over Texas A&M at Bryant-Denny Stadium in Tuscaloosa. It's homecoming today at the Big House in Michigan where nearly 110, well, 110,000 are seeing third-ranked Michigan all over Illinois 31-0 to at the break. Uh, at the, uh, the Lincoln today, the eighth-ranked Nebraska Cornhuskers looking to get to 7-0 and 4-0 in Big Ten play. They trail the Boilermakers of Purdue at the break 14-10. At halftime, a good one in uh, American Athletic Conference, number 24, Navy, 21, 5-1 Memphis, 14. Memphis's lone loss was to Ole Miss. A surprise team in the nation today, creeping closer to the top 10 uh, late in the first half. Number 12, West Virginia and uh, Mountaineers are at home today. What are my Mountaineers They are reading TCU by a score of 21-10. Second quarter score out in L.A. It is the Utes of Utah trailing UCLA. 21 to 14. Later uh, coming up, it's 17th ranked Arkansas at 21st ranked Auburn. Oregon State is at Washington. Number 11, Houston visits SMU. Number two, Ohio State is at the Whiteout game tonight in Penn State to take on the 4 and 2 Nittany Lions. 16th ranked Oklahoma is at Texas Tech, where Baker Mayfield goes back to where he first started college football in Lubbock at Texas Tech. And our matchup has 23rd ranked Ole Miss here at 25th ranked LSU. We'll take a timeout, come back, and get you caught up on Ole Miss, the Rebels, coming in tonight with a three. Three and three mark and one and two in SEC play. Along with T. Bay Baybear, I'm Deke Bellavia. This is WWL. Oh, we get treated like kings here each and every week. A beautiful spot in front of the LSU Athletic Building. The weather's perfect. And the boys from the Bayou have always take care of us. LaFont and A. Bear, we got fajitas a day. We got pork. We got steak. We got chicken. 
That man, he cooked it so good, it's got some of his hand in there, too. A little, little yeah, 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 yeah. Look, nothing comes without sacrifice, right? That's right. Can't make an omelet without cracking a few eggs. Been it was worth it. For a decade here. So the, uh, the final product was delicious, and as no doubt always. about it. Looks delicious, too, as well. Come on out. A lot of tailgating going on today, folks. It's a great atmosphere. Yeah, man. First good football weather of the season. The Ole Miss Rebels come in at 3-3, three and three, losing last week to the Arkansas Razorbacks. From the Jackson Clarion Ledger, uh, beat writer and columnist, Hugh Kellenberger joined us now. Hugh, thank you so much for the time and uh, Ole Miss doesn't have any problem scoring on anybody they play uh, it's going to be the biggest challenge LSU has faced uh, this season without question and tonight uh, one would think a, a key matchup is what LSU tries to do to put some pressure on a guy like Chad Kelly and how he responds I think Ole Miss is going to get some big plays because if they don't this would be the first game uh, I don't know since Chad Kelly's been there they haven't had some big plays it's just a matter of how many LSU can try and limit them to yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think LSU's secondary may be, you know, right there with Alabama in terms of the best that Ole Miss has faced. You know, if you guys know, LSU's given up or, you know, given up less touchdowns than they have interceptions this year. That says a lot. Wow. You know, Ole Miss, they're going to go right at Evan Ingram. Uh, you know, he's basically their go-to guy at the tight end, maybe the best tight end in the country. You know, you also have Demaria Stringfellow and Quincy Adeboijo. It's a really deep wide receiver group that goes – five or six deep, um, and so that helps them in a game maybe like tonight where they need to stay on the field, where they need to have some long drive. They're going to be able to cycle those wide receivers in and out and be able to try to, you know, when they go for that big play, they're not going to worry that the wide receiver is a little winded. Talking to Hugh Kellenberger of the Jackson Clarion Ledger, and Hugh, when you look at this Ole Miss team, uh, one of the key differences from last season to this season has been kind of the uh, the step back in rush defense specifically. Uh, last year, this was a top 25 group. This season, not so much. I think allowing 212 yards of the ground per game. What's been the big difference from last year to this year, and how worried about are you about that run defense going into tonight's matchup? Uh, it, it, you know, Laramie Tunsil's now a Miami Dolphin. Like, that's, that's the change. Uh, you know, he was the best offensive lineman in the SEC last year. He goes to the NFL, and you don't readily replace a guy like that, especially at a program like Ole Miss. So, you know, they're going to go probably Rod Taylor has been getting the start at left tackle. He's a converted guard. But at some point, Ole Miss has to switch to Greg Little, the true freshman who was maybe the best left tackle prospect in the country last year. When he's played in a reserve role, he's played really, really well. You can see a noticeable difference in terms of being able to set a pass, uh, you know, pocket for Chad Kelly and also being able to establish a run game. I also think Eugene Bradley, a kid from New Orleans, needs to get more carries tonight. He has a little bit of burst to him, an ability to make guys miss that – Keem Judd, who's a big power back, just does not have. Hugh, you know, we kind of tend to look at the highlights and numbers within the numbers. I was able to focus Ole Miss more so last week against Arkansas and in that Florida State game because of the way it fell on the holiday. But you tell me the way this this season has developed. You know, numbers can sometimes be deceiving. Ole Miss's foes are averaging 80 offensive snaps per game. And Ole Miss, to me, tonight, from a standpoint, what you just talked about, rushing the football, the number of attempts – Ole Miss has to me will be as equally, if not more important, 
than the amount of yards that they have because if they're going to win some of that time of possession, I, I, and I don't know, it seems like it's been a season where Ole Miss has been able to break out with leads, but then when they try to settle in and maybe try to grind some things out, that's where they've had problems. Is that a work in progress? Have you tried to see them move to that? They haven't been able to do it because it's simply you got to take what the defense gives you. Why haven't they been able? Why, why are they outscored, you know, 122 to 87 in the second half of games? Yeah, it's been, I think, a, a, just a simple deal that when things go badly, they tend to go really badly. They tend to, it's not one three and out, two or three of them in a row, and then you put your defense getting tired out into the field and the defense already has, you know, some schematic issues and they're not quite as talented as they've been in years past, and so it all kind of piles up on them. We saw that especially the Florida State and Alabama games. You know, but they've also, I think, since that time have been better in the second half. You know, offensively, they just got out of rhythm last week against Arkansas. I don't think there was anything particularly they were doing wrong. It was just, you know, when the best wide receiver group in the SEC all of a sudden starts dropping passes, you kind of just throw up your hands and kind of go, well, I don't know what happened there, but hopefully it won't happen again for Ole Miss. And, and Hugh, I I think I – was a bit confusing in the wording of my question earlier. Uh, what, what I want to know about is Ole Miss stopping the run. Last year, yeah. they were really good defensively against run, top 25. This season, it's been a pretty stark difference. I think they're 12th in the SEC currently. Uh, what's been kind of the root cause of that step back? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry about that. No, it, no it, all I good. I think it goes, to, it goes to linebackers, I think, you know, they had, you know, C.J. Johnson and Denzel Kendici starting at linebacker last year for them. And they were both four-year starters, and they were guys that really, even though they weren't the most athletic guys in the world or the biggest guys in the world necessarily, they knew how to play the position. They were good at making fits. When you're dealing with a situation where, at this point of the year, halfway through the season, the head coach and defensive coordinator are saying they're just trying to find two linebackers that know how to play run fits, that kind of tells you where you're at. It's not necessarily an athleticism issue. It's just a they simply are struggling with how to line up and you know stop the run. How you know those basic tenets that go back to high school yeah. football yeah. right now are an issue for Ole Miss. Hugh, when you look at, at what Coach Hugh Freeze has done, uh, you know I, I think it's easy to kind of point toward the, the remarkable class that they obviously got a lot of attention on and bear the fruits of the, their labor going to the Sugar Bowl, dominating Oklahoma State and three first-rounders. Uh, those guys probably all were well, they know probably they were even actually uh, you know higher graded than, than where each of those were drafted. But you know to me the job that he's done. To be to the other guys, I mean, it's easy to point out those five-star guys and, and and to coach them up, and they became, you know, they elevated their play. A lot of times, kids come into a program, and they may not they may not come into fruition. They might not live up to those stars. They might not exceed and get to that next level. The torch was passed. I mean, those guys coming in from high school, going to college, they they did what they were supposed to do. But I, I'm seeing more players like that in Hugh's system. That last year, I mean, that that's a hey, look, this is a media guy thing. Three first rounders, boom come to Ole Miss, but it's a lot of these kids that are not as highly touted, uh, talent, I guess you'd say touted from a recruiting standpoint, that Ole Miss is coaching up and they're becoming good football players because you, you know, everybody wants to have four or five five-star players. That's not going to happen. Maybe a few programs, maybe Alabama might be one of the only ones, Ohio State, that can huh. do that every year. But what Hugh has done to keep this, the, the team going, I mean, you look at it right now, Ole Miss, nobody wants to be three and three, especially after what they've done the last few years. But, I mean, they, they've been battling. And, I mean, that to me, that's a sign of, yeah, we had, we had a really great recruiting class 
But some people kind of get lost in the shuffle. They think, well, Ole Miss has had a ton of great recruiting classes. They've had some good ones. They're doing a good job of coaching what they get in there up. Yeah, absolutely. I think if you're Ole Miss, their recruiting strategy kind of has three tenets to it. Number one is you want to win the top in-state guys every year, which is something they honestly actually haven't even done. The top-rated in-state guy each of the last two years has gone to Mississippi State. You want to be able to find some national-ranked guys that you have an in with, that you get an early audience with that, you know, Immediately after the previous signing day, you can sit there and go, these are the guys that seem to be listening. These are the guys that I think we got a chance on, and then really press on them. But then you also, that third part is you've got to find some three stars in Alabama and Georgia and Louisiana that not everybody's paying attention to, and you got to take some chances. And, they, you know, I mentioned Evan Ingram earlier. He was a 200-pound tight end from Georgia that did not have another offer. Like, they had no competition for him whatsoever. They signed three tight ends in that class. One doesn't qualify. One hurts his knee in the first spring. Has never played a down of college football. Suddenly, Evan Ingram is day one of his August true freshman training camp, the starter at tight end, and he's lived up. Wow. Now with 230 pounds, he's going to be an NFL player. Uh, you know, who did Ole Miss have to beat out for Chad Kelly? You know, everybody knew the guy was talented, but nobody else was really willing to take the risk on, you know, is he going to really pay off? Or is he just going to, you know, mess up with another opportunity somebody gives him? He goes to Ole Miss, they figure it out, and and he's been, you know, there was that thing in Buffalo a couple weeks ago, which was a lot more, much to do about nothing, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, for the most part, though, he's been a really good asset for that program. So you got to take some risks and you got to develop some guys. Absolutely. Hugh, now when you look at, at Ole Miss, and I know you know, being when I came up through the ranks, I, I did the old JUCO trail. You know, from uh, Boonville to Senatobia to Decatur, all over East Mississippi, Jones. I mean, we're talking about some big time programs. How does how does Hugh attack the JUCO ranks with so many of those high-profile players that are there, especially right there from Northwest is, what, 15, 20 minutes, uh, you know, south of there, maybe a little longer than that in Senatobia. Then you're talking about Jones, East Mississippi. It's a lot right there in the state. Is he big on, on getting some of those JUCO guys, or is it a situation where it just depends on what gaps he's got to fill? Yeah, he's really not. He, you know, especially if you compare him to his predecessor, Houston Nutt, uh, he recruits the Chucos a lot less. It, it tends to be much more about if there's a guy. Um, you know, they DJ Jones, who you'll see tonight playing defensive tackle, was a Juco guy. Um, they, you know, Chad Kelly obviously was a Juco guy, but it's kind of a different avenue. Not, you know, transferred in, transferred back, right back out. I think the problem right now that Mississippi Juco football has as a whole is that the schools have gotten so much better at qualifying guys out of high school yeah. that, generally speaking, the guys that end up in a Juco are either really, really late bloomers, and those guys tend to be athletes who don't really know how to play football, or the real knuckleheads of the earth. And so you got to be really <laughs> cautious. You know, the the vast majority of the time that Ole Miss is recruiting a JUCO, he's a guy that's transferred from a four-year college to a JUCO that's now going to transfer right back out. Hugh Kellenberger. Hugh, all right, Ole Miss and LSU, your keys to this matchup tonight. How do you see this from going down, the Tigers and the Rebels? Yeah, I, I think LSU is going to win this. I think it's going to be a close. I think it'll be a good game. You know, But LSU does have the home field advantage. I just don't know how Ole Miss lines up and stops that running game. We saw, you know, Alabama a month ago now 
you know, when Alabama got rolling with that running game, you know, almost just really did not have an answer. I don't think anything has changed to make me think tonight will be any different. Hugh Kellenberger, the Jackson Clarion Ledger. Hugh, how can people keep up with you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. I'm on Twitter at HKellenbergerCL. Hugh, thank you so much. Enjoy the game tonight. All right. Thank you, guys. All right. Hugh Kellenberger, columnist, beat writer for the Jackson Clarion Ledger, the big paper in the state of Mississippi. Speaking of big, Jeff Palermo, columnist at WWL.com, Louisiana Network Sports Director, joins us. Jeff, LSU and Ole Miss, the Magnolia Bowl, the 105th meeting between these two. Most of the meetings have been here in Baton Rouge. And since 2000, LSU has done well, 11-5 and five, uh, against the Rebels. And uh, this is a, a big, big game tonight, a big test for LSU that starts these, uh, you know, the toughest five-game stretch any, any team's probably seen on the back end of a season in a long time in college football. Yeah, you're right about that. It, uh, this really uh, does begin to, uh, you know, this puts uh, LSU kind of in the frying pan at this point. Well, let's see what uh, Coach Ed Orgeron, new offensive coordinator, uh, Steve Ensminger, what, what did it, what did it, you know, they obviously were able to handle teams like Southern Miss and Missouri, but now you're, you're going up against some quality opponents. How does this uh, coaching staff react? They get these players ready. Uh, it's also the return of Leonard Burnett. Uh, how do they get him going? Uh, so a lot to look forward to here over the next uh, five games or so. Yeah, and Jeff, when you look at tonight's game, uh, specifically uh, when you look at the Rebels, this is an offense that LSU, they, well, they haven't seen an offense of this quality. You, you, the points they were able to put up against Alabama seemingly every year when no one else can, it makes this offense uh, a bit intimidating. And really what kickstarts this Ole Miss offense, a heart and soul, it is Chad Kelly. They live and die by Chad Kelly and his level of play. If you're LSU, what's the most effective route to maybe containing Chad Kelly, even if you aren't expecting to uh, completely shut him down? I think you got to get pressure on them. I, I mean, this is an Ole Miss offensive line that is not very good. They've given up uh, two sacks a game. LSU is um, averaging three sacks a game. So, statistically, you would think LSU, if they can stack them three, four, five times or something like that, or at least get pressure on him, make life difficult. Uh, I like LSU's cornerbacks. I think they can lock up on a lot of different wide receivers. Now, the thing is with Ole Miss, I think they got five players that have caught 15 passes or more this wow. season. Or you compare that to LSU, they have only had two. So they got a lot of different guys they can go to. Of course, Evan Ingram is their main guy, but I think it starts with pressure. Can LSU get, get some pressure on them? I think Arden Key. This is one of those games where he needs to be uh, he needs to be involved. He, he needs to be a guy that's uh, all over the field, disrupting things. And uh, if they're able to do that, I, I like LSU's chances here. Uh, the Tigers' defense has been very good. Just giving up six touchdowns all season, haven't faced an offense like this. They'll probably give up a few big plays throughout the game. But I think uh, if they can force Ole Miss uh, to be, in particular, really uh, put them in some you know third and long and second long situations because Ole Miss is not going to try to come in here and run the football. So they're going to rely on Chad Kelly. So LSU should be ready to come after him and rush the pass. Yeah, and that's a really good point is that, uh, like, you could play this Ole Miss offense very well, and they're still going to get theirs. They're going to have some big plays. They're going to get more points than LSU's used to giving up this season. I'm interested to see how that defense responds. Thus far, Dave Rand has been really good with his uh, mid-game changes that he's made. When you look at the Tigers offensively, though, Jeff, uh, the big news of the day, Leonard Fournette back in the lineup. So now you have Darius Geis, 
who on 113 carries became the quickest LSU player ever to reach 1,000 yards, and you combine him with what many believe to be the best back in the entire nation, and then you look at the Rebels, and you look at a rush defense that is vastly different than last year, much worse, 12th in the SEC, giving up 2-12 on the ground per game. Is that where LSU is going to look to exploit uh, the offense versus defense matchup? I agree. I think that's why I'm very confident LSU's going to win this game because they're going to be able to run the football against Ole Miss unless unless the Rebels do something that something unorthodox or two or three guys have a game of their life on that defensive line. I think LSU will be able to just run the football. You add in Danny Etling. You add in the different packages now. You know, Hugh Freeze talked about that this week that, uh, you know, they, they're definitely doing stuff differently on offense. And I, I think it's, it gives now coach, you know, because it was so predictable, guys. They, you yep. knew what LSU yep. was going to try yep. to do. Now it's got coaches wondering, well, well you know, what, when are they going to bring in this package? Uh, when they line up in this formation, what are they going to do? Uh, it's not a given that they're going to run the football on first down anymore. Uh, so it just gives opposing coaches just so much more to think about. And now you add Leonard Fournette into the mix who uh, apparently will probably see about 30 plays or so in this game. Looking forward to seeing him and Darius Geis in the backfield at the same time. You know that Coach O and Steve Enfinger, they're not going to be shy about at least showing that look a few times. Um, it, it, it's been amazing, though, you know, just to talk about how, you know, everybody's falling in love with Darius Geis. And yeah. Like, yeah. like Leonard Fournette is old news. You just forget <laughs> about how spectacular that guy was, especially when – he had some room to run. I think a lot of people think about that Alabama game and him only rushing for 39 yards or whatever it is. But, uh, the, you know, you could have had anybody back there and they weren't going to do anything because no. they couldn't block worth a darn. But uh, now, uh, you know, with Will Flapp turning to the O-line, uh, I think Ellis is going to have a field day running the ball. And I, I, as long as the Tigers take care of the football, Danny Etling's been able to do that. I, I think this is a game where LSU can win just because they have such of an advantage in rushing football. Yeah, and look, football fans, you know it as well as I do, Jeff. Uh, we tend to be a fickle bunch. What yeah, have you done it's, for it's me bad. lately? <laughs> Talking bad. to Jeff Palermo, uh, director of the Louisiana Radio Network. And, Jeff, uh, Danny Etling, one thing that Danny Etling has been able to do that has been invaluable uh, and it's been an emphasis of this offense as well, is the deep ball. It's unlocking that defense. Even if it's not always hitting, just the threat of which to loosen up the defense. Do you look for the Tigers and Etling to continue that uh, trend tonight? And maybe more importantly, all I've ever asked out of the LSU quarterbacks is give me 60% completion percentage and 200 yards. If you hit that, you're going to be just fine. Etling's done that. Does he continue it in what's probably their toughest challenge yet? Yeah, I was kind of interested. You, you, you said that 60% mark, and I am kind of a, a numbers guy. When I was looking at his stats, I was surprised he had not completed more than 60 pay. He's only at like 58, which I understand is close, but it, it seems like his, his passing percentage has been much higher than that. But the one thing he has done is he just doesn't make many mistakes, and he doesn't throw any terrible pass. Uh, he, he's just been very solid. He's just guided the offense. They've asked him, uh, they've, they've given him some things that they want him to do, and he goes out there and executes them. You know, Coach O talked about it from the Missouri game to the Southern Miss game, that they wanted to be able to complete some more of those deep passes. 
Well, that's what you saw in the second half against Southern Miss. Yeah. Now, Ole Miss's secondary is probably better than Southern Miss's secondary. The, you know, that one pass on Malachi Dupree, that guy was about as wide open as I've ever seen a guy wide open, uh, <laughs> you know, in, in a game where a guy's just in a simple, simple route down the seam of the field. So, this one will be a little bit more of a test. He's going up against SEC defenders in this one. Uh, you know, he, he's going to – Ole Miss is going to try to get to him as well, just like LSU is going to try to get to Chad Kelly. But you just like the, the steadiness with him. It just doesn't seem like anything really unnerves him, and, and that is a good quality, obviously, for a quarterback. Jeff Palermo. Jeff, LSU, a favorite tonight. Your, your one or two keys, Jeff, and your prediction, the Tigers and the Rebels. Well, like I said, I think LSU can win this game by double digits. Uh, if uh, they don't turn the ball over, they handle things well. Um, you know, and obviously limit the big plays defensively. I think those are the two things. And I think the running game will take care of itself. I think the Tigers are going to have some success there. I think you're going to see a motivated Leonard Fournette. Uh, you know, he, he's been watching various guys. He's a competitor. Those guys are teammates. They're friends and all that. But uh, Leonard Fournette, I, I think he, he wants to – reassert himself as one of the better running backs in college football as well. And it yeah. should be a good tune-up here uh, two weeks from uh, Alabama where uh, hopefully he's even more healthy for him and we can really see uh, the true Leonard Fournette going up against the great defense. Jeff Palermo. Jeff, how can people keep up with you on social media? Well, I'm on Twitter at uh, Jeff Palermo, LRN. Jeff Palermo. Jeff, as always, thank you so much, and we will talk to you at the game. All right, sounds good, guys. Thanks. All right, All right Jeff, take it easy. That's uh, Jeff Palermo. He's T. Bob Baby and Deke Bellaby. When we come back, our weekly conversation with LSU coach Ed Ogeron. Count you down to LSU and Ole Miss here on Tiger Radio, WWL. And welcome back to WWL Radio, home of the LSU Tigers, where we're joined now by LSU coach Ed Ogeron. The Tigers coming off a big victory over the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Coach O, thank you so much for joining us. Southern Miss, I guess we'll start off with a kind of maybe a tale of two halves. But the first half, Coach O, what, what did you see in the first half? I saw a competitive Southern Miss team, but obviously there were some things your team didn't do that you wanted them to do. Yeah, I thought Southern Miss took the ball, punched us in the mouth a little bit. But you know what? We had the uh, the, the penalty, and then we had the uh, 12 men on the field that, that kept the drive alive. You know, our defense played very well most of the game. I thought those penalties kept the drive alive. We weren't moving the football like we wanted to on offense. We were pretty lethargic. We had some substitution uh, penalties on offense. was something that we don't want, but went in halftime and corrected it. You Coach, you, you won't make any excuses, but... Yeah, probably so. You know, I think it was something, a combination of that, maybe listening to other things that they shouldn't do. Uh, but we need to focus, and that's, that's something that we don't want to do. We need to correct that this week. Now, Coach, when you look at it, you come in at halftime. What, what was your message to the team at the break? You know, hey, they came in and punched us in the mouth. What we're going to do, let's compete, boys. And uh, let's go play the way we know how to play. Let's take that football, drive it down the field, and let's go call some turnovers. And that's what they did. And we created explosive plays, and we wanted to play with energy for 60 minutes. Was it more, Coach, just about what, what you needed to do? You talked about it was about LSU, not changing up yeah. anything, just execution. Just execution and play with some energy, man. Just get after it. And, you know, our coaches made a couple adjustments at halftime, but I think it was more of a mindset. 35 
five second half points, Coach, you come out. Talk about the balance that you had offensively to get some things done. Yeah, really pleased the way Steve's running the ball, spreading the ball around, taking shots, throwing the balls to the tight ends, more guys catching the football. Really pleased with his play calling. One thing, Coach, that's been evident the last couple of games uh, since you've been here is that the strong finish to him. And you had a st complete game against uh, Missouri from beginning to end, but the way you finished this ball game, I know there had to be some on the back end you were pleased. Or maybe not so good from a four-quarter standpoint, but certainly the way you finished the game was pretty good. Yeah, no question. We want to finish. We want to play for 60 minutes. You can't win the game in the first quarter. You can't win the second. You can't win the third. But you darn sure can win it in the fourth. That's our motto. With LSU coach Ed Orgeron, the Tigers taking on the Ole Miss Rebels Saturday night at 8.08 kickoff here on WWR Radio. Coach, now usually each week you kind of highlight some players. Who are some guys that stood out this week against the uh, Southern Miss Golden Eagles? You know, I thought our defense, you can't stand out anybody, anybody but Jamal Adams' turnover. I thought he played well. He, we got him in the box, made a lot of plays. Uh, the um, On the offense, I was really pleased with Darius Guys, Obviously, the player, the quarterback, the player, our receivers, DJ Shark. And uh, Malachi Dupree caught the ball very well. And I really liked our tight ends catching the football and the way they spread it around. Coach, now you talk about preparation. This is the one that's about an hour later in the kickoff. Any, anything different about preparation? You kick off that later kickoff? You know, we're going to let them sleep a little later on Saturday, have just an hour meeting later, and uh, really remind them that we're going to explode at 8 o'clock. I want to make sure that they're fresh and they're rested. Coach, when you break down an opponent, do you tend to look at some of the things that, that they do well, some of the things that they don't do well, and you attack those areas? Or is it really all about your emphasis on what you do well and what you want to do? It's both. You know, we want to get better at our technique. We want to get better at our substitution. And we're looking at the things that they do. David Rand and Steve Ensminger do a tremendous job of coordinating the defense and offense and make those little subtle adjustments that we want to. But at this point in the season, you're not going to change a lot. You're just going to get better. Coach, Ole Miss, that name obviously rings a bell. You've talked about it before. Uh, your thoughts on where Ed Orgeron was then yeah. and what he learned and where he is now? You know, it was, good. it was a good experience, really. I mean, uh, I was a young head coach. I learned from it after I got fired. I wrote down some things that I wanted to be better as a head football coach. Uh, that enabled me to go to Southern Cal, change that team around, come here. I feel like I'm an experienced head coach. I can handle most situations. And that, that job got me ready for this job. Now, Coach, a guy that thinks an awful lot about you, he mentioned it at his press conference, Hugh Freeze, a guy you have a lot of respect for. He's done a tremendous job. I mean, Hugh was a, a good young coach. He was a great, successful high, high school coach. I uh, give him credit. He's done a good job of getting a staff together. They've recruited some tremendous athletes, and he has a darn good football team. Coach, speaking of that football team, no bones about it. They like to throw the ball downfield. They have arguably the best quarterback in the conference. When you see this Ole Miss offense, mm -hmm. what are some things that you, you see on film? The shots, the shots down the field. They're able to read the defense and take the shots, and the way the receivers go up and catch the football. I think they're a tremendous football team. The, the ability for them to rush on third down, uh, their third down percentage, so defense is very high. The quarterback coach and the style, whether whether it's spread, people like to spread you out, uh, like to do the read. It's so many things you have to worry about defensive. But now also one of these new things is this new, what do you call them, hybrid or athletic tight end. Yeah. They've got one in Ingram. Yeah. They have a very good tight end. What, what is it about that new athletic kind of tall basketball rangy tight end that makes it so difficult? Well, they put them inside on a nickel. They just run, they just run an out route with them, and the nickels, it's hard for the nickel to cover. They run a, they run a goal route with them, and the guys are a lot taller than the nickel, and they run a stick route. So those guys know what they're doing, and he also does a good job of blocking. You have to play it for 11 personnel, but then they get in a full wide look, which is different for your defense. 
Coach Freeze has talked about at times this Rebel defense has played well. They're seeking to be consistent and string things together. Some of the things you see on that Ole Miss defense that's going to be challenges for your offense. Yeah, their pass rushing ability. I mean, Chris Kiffin is the defensive line coach. Does a tremendous job. Their third down efficiency. Uh, they're going to cause turnovers. They're going to wreak havoc. They live in the backfield. We're going to have to block them. Coach, you talked about in the past uh, controlling the ball, time of possession and balance. Right now, their opponents have the ball about 12 and a half minutes more than they are doing. Mm -hmm. Is that something you think is going to be key in this game, you to own time of possession? No, we have to. We have to own the football. We have to have long drives, keep our defense off the field, keep them fresh. Is, is turnover the aspect of turnovers? And there was a key one in this game you pointed to. Is it as much of, of its importance as it is in the game as it is to overcome mentally as both? Is it seems like it's twofold because you can have a lot of momentum and boom, and then it's hard to really put that behind you when you have a turnover. On defense, you got to build on it. You know, just we cause a turnover, we go in there and score, and I really believe it killed the momentum for Southern Miss. On the other hand, when you call, when you create a turn, or not when you when you have a turnover on offense, you have to forget about it. Coach, a five-game stretch of ranked opponents. It starts with Ole Miss. After two games, where does Ed Orgeron see this team? We're making improvement. You know, obviously, we're going to get tested. We got to take it one day at a time. We have to get better at our fundamentals, eliminate the foolish penalties. We have a big test ahead of us. And coach, finally, the Ole Miss Rebels coming here. This is a great rivalry between LSU and Ole Miss. It's a night kickoff. Your take, what do you need to do to be successful to have a chance to win this game? Well, we need to run the football. We need to be able to run the football, control the clock, not cause any turnovers. We need to eliminate the deep deep ball, the deep threat, not give them any big plays and cause turnovers and play great special teams. Coach, best of luck against the Ole Miss Rebels. Thank you. Go Tigers. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.